Hello, Aaron. Hello. In three talks. In three talks, ten. We're back. Yes. Good stuff. Let's talk about uh, your entrepreneurial journey. And you were saying just we're, before we started. Uh, yeah, we had some technical difficulties. So we were talking about um, resilience. Resilience, understanding your feelings, um, dreams, fears of uh, being an entrepreneur. So I was talking to my business coach today. And I was telling him how uh, I had anxiety. We have a big meeting coming up on Monday, and I was talking about anxiety I had about it. I couldn't really express what it was, and like trying to get strategies and how to kind of manage it. And he was, he just said, "Look, it's just fear, and there's nothing wrong with fear. Uh, underneath the anxiety, or I forgot which one he said. Either anxiety can cause fear, or fear causes the anxiety. But um, he said that's the feeling that you get when you feel like you're close to your dream, something that you've been working really hard for." And you're afraid it might not happen. <laughs> um, and and it, you just need to figure out how to embrace it and accept it. And the reality is that, you know, being an entrepreneur, it's about dreams. It's about trying to do big things. And you're going to have wins. You're going to have losses. And there's nothing wrong with being afraid of that. So I just need to embrace it and move forward. You talked. Uh, so you've been an entrepreneur for? IN3 has been in business. Not IN3. <laughs> clearly innovative has been in business for 10 years now. October, actually, it's October now, so we've been in business for 10 years. We've been doing a youth education for five, six years now, and we've been working on this project about a year before, and then we've been open for two years now, so three years in this. So you, okay. <laughs> um, so we were talking about also entrepreneurship. A few, I mean, we have a, these discussions mm -hmm. these, uh, while we're having these debriefings about entrepreneurship and tech yes. and the Washington, D.C. Uh, environment. So... Based as a tech, you know, as a person from the tech community, what is your feedback and what is your experience? So f experience and then feedback about this whole tech DC ecosystem. I think that it's a growing ecosystem that has a lot of challenges that the ecosystems have, which is kind of working through the stovepipes or separate communities and kind of increasing communication uh, across the communities to kind of really provide opportunity to everyone. I mean, you have a pretty good um, cohesive group around, you know, I think it's women who code or, uh, or femtech or kind of that, the whole women's, seems like the women's coding ecosystem, they've kind of found their spot. They're kind of in their stride. They have regular programming, they have online content, they have a really good cohort group. Um, I, I think that there's other groups that are just kind of fragmented off of that. Also, if you follow it a lot, you'll see that there's also this fragmentation of you know, groups in Virginia who say they're DC tech, but they're really in Virginia, and no shade on Virginia, but the reality is that there's probably not a lot of people in DC going out to tech events in Virginia. Okay. The same way there's probably not a lot of people in Virginia coming to tech events here in DC. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, there's, I know there's good stuff going on out there at Capital One Labs, or mm -hmm. Cap, whatever it's called out there at Capital One. I met those guys at a Google event, and I do a lot of great programming there, but it's in Reston. And, you know, one of their challenges, because they spoke about, was like, how do they kind of connect the two ecosystems? I think even right here in D.C., we're trying to figure out how to just connect ecosystems of D.C. and Arlington, right? <laughs> D.C. Yeah. and Alexandria, you yeah. know. Um, it's, it is kind of strange when you think about how dense the region is, but kind of the disparity and the differences, even like I said, just across the river. You know, I remember you telling me at some point that you had an opportunity to go see the different cities uh, where you had B 
be it through a mission, like a DC a trade mission, yes. so on and yeah, so yeah. forth, or even uh, being part of a panel of discussions, if you remember, mm. I think it was Kansas. Um, as you're looking to expand in other cities, what do you think, what is your ultimate partner or partners? The ultimate partners are people who have people in the cities or communities who are past the, who have acknowledged the shortcomings, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like they say about um, folks who are alcoholics, right? <laughs> you need to admit that you're an alcoholic first before you can kind of make the next step to fix it. I mean, you need to go come into communities that realize that we're working really hard, everybody's working really hard, but there's still something missing. And what is it that we can do to kind of address it, as opposed to just kind of putting our blinders on talking about how great things are. There's nothing wrong with accepting the wins mm -hmm. and being positive about all successful things that are happening in the community, but you also need to have that same honest, sober discussion that here are some shortcomings of what can we do to address those. We believe that with the work that we do at IN3 and the lessons that we've learned here in this ecosystem and also from the years of my entrepreneurial journey and the other stuff we've done, that there are some things that we can do to help support other communities and help them to find success in some of the gaps that they currently have. And that's what we want to do. We want to go into communities who are at that place where they recognize it, understand that this programming requires funding, um, and understanding that it, it, it provides high-level support from other leaders in the ecosystem for us to have success. We're not going into other communities to kind of shame them and tell them things that they're doing wrong. We're going in to hopefully enhance and catalyze the community to have more positive outcomes. So one of your greatest supporters, I mean, one of the things that made N3 launch was your public-private partnership between you, Clearly Innovative, founder of mm -hmm. Clearly Innovative, and the mayor's office. Yes. So how did that come about? Why did you feel that, yes, I'm going to take that leap because it will get me to my ultimate destination? Because, as I just said, it was clear that the mayor's office was committed to this based on the financial amount of money that they kind of put up. Um, also, my relationship with uh, the previous deputy mayor, Brian Kenner, um, it was clear that he was committed to this and that this was something that was important to him. And he understood that we were doing, I mean, we had a conversation once and he stated, like, this is something new that we're doing. Um, there was, there should be no assumption that it would be nice if we nailed it the first time, but it was clear that this was going to be a learning process and we we're going to have to try different things. Um, but then this ties back to where we started, we would need to be resilient, mm -hmm. right? We, we need to understand that, like, we've only been at this for two years, right? The reality is that we are still a startup. We are still new. And um, I think, unfortunately, there's some mismatch expectations that exist, that people expect us to be further along the journey than we are now. I think that, you know, when you look at the numbers and you look at the things that we've accomplished, and when you look at what's kind of happening in a bunch of other ecosystems around the country that we've accomplished a lot and you know my team at IN3 and all the people involved should be proud of what we've done the folks at the mayor's office should be proud of kind of the financial commitment and, and kind of all the support that they've given I mean no one should feel like this has not been a success this has been I mean it was a risk and it's a learning process but I, I think that we, we we've done good we've done some good things here and I think if you talk to the people that have been able to kind of come into IN3 and take advantage of our programs or services and kind of meet with the team and get some benefit, that they appreciate it. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm one who has experienced a lot of mm -hmm. the successes through the programs. And so it's, um, 
you've definitely had many wins, but it, again, it's going back to your destination. So how did, in, clearly innovative, clearly innovative education and then in three, how is that leading you to your destination? Um, they're kind of connected to what we say about the three C's with um, inclusive innovation incubator. We work on social capital, technical capital, and financial capital. Um, creating the space and the community around the space is the, the social capital, the dense community of diverse entrepreneurs, people on the space to come meet folks, um, learn, get access to information, get ac also get access to kind of newer networks that they might not have been plugged in before. So that addresses the social capital. The technical capital is something that I believe is a big issue and I, I think that um, if you see what's happening in the press, you see what's happening with all these efforts to focus on technology training, specifically for folks from under-resourced community. It's clear that there's a lack of technical capital in the community. And then I believe that at the end of that is, is the financial capital, which is the um, financial support for the entrepreneurs that are trying to get things done. Um, our, our focus is to focus on the social, our focus is the focus. No. <laughs> our, our, our focus is to work on intentionally the social capital and the technical capital and then through in three labs to kind of work on um, providing additional support for the entrepreneurs with their ideas on how to create a business, try to find market fit, um, try to figure out how to put a marketing plan, a financial plan together. And then we're ready for the financial capital. You know, trying to get the money before you're ready is it's just not the right, it's just not the right approach. In fact, I was a, a guy tweeted out and said, what would happen, what would I do tweet that he posted said, what would you do if someone gave you half a million dollars? Mm -hmm. And a bunch of people put all these ideas and I basically said, I take the money to add additional financial training, financial workshops at IM3. So that when we got the folks ready yes. <laughs> and they figured out their business plan, that they had a strong financial foundation to make sure that they could utilize the capital that they were given mm -hmm. in the most effective way properly. Because the harsh reality is, and I can say this in my podcast, I don't give a shit, is that <laughs> the reality is that black folks just sometimes don't get more than one chance, right? right? And so if you, like they say, shoot, shoot your shot or whatever the thing that they say, right? <laughs> you know, if you get that check, yeah. you know, we wouldn't be doing our job yeah. if all we did was prepare you on the business part, prepare you on how to build it, but didn't make sure you were prepared to manage the money that you had the best way you can mm -hmm. to be resilient, yeah. to be there long enough for when the opportunity came for you to shoot your shot mm -hmm. in the marketplace yeah. that you were still there. Yeah. So so looking um, at some of the programs you've held, so let's talk about some of the things that you have done with the innovation labs, for instance, because you talk, especially even through the workshops, mm -hmm. major uh, component is the financial literacy mm -hmm. side, the financial capital, the fi understanding financials. Um, you yourself, as you're working to scale, uh, you're looking also from a, the financial perspective in terms, and it's kind of selfless in a way, because what you're saying is, despite the fact that I'm going to do it, I still want a, a, a cohort of others, entrepreneurs, to be able to come up with me mm -hmm. in this ecosystem right. of technologists. So going back to the, the ecosystem, as you're planning to grow, as you're planning to go into different cities, uh, how do you think you would benefit certain cities? Aside from what you just said, the financial, the programs, and so on, 
But why do you believe that in three is a necessity, especially now? I, I believe that there are folks who have realized that there are gaps, and I believe we can fill some of the gaps. I think that um, we're in a, I would say, unique position. Um, I have over 20 years' experience in the software development industry. Um, I have taught as an adjunct professor at the university. Um, we have over five years working in youth education programs, the curriculums with the public school district, other pro um, public organizations in the city. So we have a proven track record in our youth education. I think through the um, Clearly Innovative, we've been in business for 10 years. We ran basically an internal apprenticeship program for our first couple of years with all of our hires, bringing people in, project-based training, putting them on projects. So I think we have a track record, or as they say in government, we have past performance on how to identify people who have, as a term we're using, high potential. Mm -hmm. um, if given the proper structure and support, we can have successful outcomes in America. We've, we've already proven it, right? So I believe that we can take some of our lessons learned and apply them in other communities across the United States. So just um, going a, a different direction. Two things uh, before we, we end this uh, podcast. The first one is the usage of technology such as Twitter and so mm. on. And just a couple of days ago, we were talking and you uh, mentioned to me some of the Twitter war mm. about technology mm. and underserved uh, representation. Mm. How about you just dabble with it a little bit for I mean, a couple the, of minutes? The, just to... this, this kind of ties into another conversation I was having with someone before and you and I have had multiple times. It's mm. like... We talk about all the good things that people can do to support diverse entrepreneurs. And, but at the end of the day, it really comes down to money. Mm -hmm. right? I can take the best training, I can have the best mentors, but at the end of the day, it requires some capital for me to get my business going. Mm -hmm. People are like, oh, we'll bootstrap it. I did it. Right? Well, not everybody can bootstrap it. So are we saying that the only people that are allowed to be successful entrepreneurs are people that have the financial ability to be a successful entrepreneur? Mm -hmm. um, but then on the flip side, we're saying we want more diverse people in the ecosystem, right? So you can't have one without the other. Mm -hmm. If I have a great idea, but I don't have money, right now, you're out. Mm -hmm. You should have a lot. It's just really as simple as that. So based on what we were talking about on Twitter is that there's a lot of people who have great ideas on how to support under-resourced and underrepresented entrepreneurs and technologists. And there are a lot of us who have been down here grinding away for a long time but just don't have the access to capital, to scale, to have the impact that other individuals can do that do have money. Mm -hmm. um, and my, my, my thoughts on that are is, I appreciate all the hard work that everyone is out there doing, um, but, and this was something that I saw when I went out to Kansas City and spoke with the other ecosystem builders in the community, their biggest fear was that they're gonna spend years working in the ecosystem, building the community, struggling at their own expense, expense mm -hmm. sacrifice, and then someone else who has deeper pockets mm -hmm. or has relationships where they can just come in with the capital will just arrive on the scene and basically be the savior, right? right? And so my thoughts are, how about we do some due diligence on people that are already in the community, already doing the hard work, and if we're really committed to not only solving either the technical training, the entrepreneurship training, whatever, but supporting that person who's there already is already a diverse entrepreneur who needs your support. 
Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So how about you support them to be successful, and then you're still successful too. Right? Everybody can win. Everybody gets to eat, as I like to say. Mm -hmm. Right? Indeed. <laughs> So the other, uh, just we have a couple of more minutes and I want to say, talk about the wonderful gaming industry. Mm -hmm. And I know we'll, in the next podcast, definitely, it's mm -hmm. going to be all about gaming. Um, because you sent me an article today and, I, you know, university, you know, I, somebody was talking to me about gaming. And so how about you give me a high, just high level type of what the gaming so, Yes, yes, yes. I think this was an article crazy. that... Um, I was, reading in, I was reading in TechCrunch, yeah. and um, they were talking about, for those who know gaming, Call of Duty, this kind of online fighting game. Um, so Activision's creating this Call of Duty League. Um, and what they were saying is there's this one organization, I think it's called The 100 Thieves, uh, who has been well-known in the industry for years, but they can't buy their way into the league because there's a $25 million franchise fee that you have to pay just to get in. Um, so it's, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do at I3 is to raise awareness to folks from the resource community, kind of what's happening in this industry so that we don't miss the train, so that we kind of get on board. But it's like, if right now to get a team is 25 million, right? Mm -hmm. It already seems like a lot of us are probably going to miss, <laughs> miss this train, right? Um, uh, it's it's just insane. I mean, I think the requirements were twenty five million for a franchise fee. You um, had to think, you had to basically create your own arena, so you needed a building to play. Right? If you notice these teams, you have to pay for the players. Um, then there's all the branding. You need. It, it's just obscene the amount of money that it costs just to kind of, for lack of a better word, play. So it, it seems like we're going down the path that the same people that are already in owning NFL teams or other major sports leagues are the only ones who are going to have the financial capital to kind of come into these leagues. Now, we'll cross our fingers and we'll hope and pray that they do the right thing and we have a, a diverse set of players and a diverse set of opportunities that happen. But um, it kind of circles back to what I said previously. It's like there's a lot of things in this world that if you just don't have the money... Can't get it done. You can't. Let's just. We will, we're going to be positive. It yes, it's just a lot harder to get it. Done. Yes, because uh. determination. We talked to one of your podcasts about determination and resilience. Mm. Yes. But uh, you're addressing that through the. It's not just a game. Yes. So what we're trying to do with this as a game is just first of all to make people aware mm -hmm. that stuff like this is going on. It's like when I send out these tweets and I push it out. You know, sometimes people will respond back to me like just their mind is just blown that. This is what is really happening. I think they're about to release the next Call of Duty. You know, this holiday season, you know, hundreds of thousands of people will buy it, 60 grand a pop. And, you know, Activision will eat, the league will eat. Um, <laughs> but there's a bunch of black and brown folks, women who like sports, like esports, like the game. But how do they find their way into this ecosystem? How do they find their way into this industry? Um, if things don't change. I mean, let's just be real. I mean, we, we can look at what's happening. Well, let's take this another way. If the same people that are already owning teams and all the other professional sports leagues are now going to be the people who own in these leagues, mm -hmm. and we see all the challenges that exist in these other leagues, why do we think these problems just aren't going to move over here? 
right? And that's why you, it's not just a game. You're bringing awareness right, 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 right. and educating that's the community. Right. We're going to end on a positive note. Yes. Right? yes the positive yes, note yes. is like it, it's um, access to information can create opportunities. Yes. And that's what we're trying to do. Um, and also just kind of educate people, not in kind of a negative way, but it's like these are business opportunities. Yes. There are wealthy women. There are wealthy people of color. There are other wealthy people who just like everybody else, are looking for places to invest their money to get returns, mm -hmm. right? And you can create also entrepreneurs, right? Yes, yeah, so they create entrepreneurs, comment, commentators, game commentators, makers, basically all of the different yeah. fields that that uh, that exist. It, I've said this now before. Look at the NFL, yes. huge league. Mm -hmm. They have reporters. They have sideline people at talk. They have coaches. They have writers. They have people who do the production. They have like everything that you can imagine. It's all still there. All of those same opportunities will exist in these other, in the um, esports leagues. So you don't have to, like we say, it's not just a game, and you don't have to be a player to kind of, you know, find success in that industry. So uh, we're getting to 21 minutes. So mm -hmm. we, I want to make sure that you close uh, by just highlighting your uh, few programs, features in code. So our we, uh, features written in code. Um, our tech training programs to kind of help people get entry-level jobs or upskill. We're shooting to probably get one or two more of those done before the end of this year. Uh, Growing Glow, focused on women entrepreneurship and women programming, trying to get two of those done before That's the right. end of this year. And, it's not just a uh, game. Just it's not just a game. Yes, we're, we're working on getting a gaming panel done and then another kind of gaming event uh, done this year also. So we're going to round out the year on a positive note, push all our programming. Beautiful. Oh, I forgot the last thing. And the last thing, if anybody's listening, we announced a very simple in three plan. It's our simple plan, which is basically $50 a month. Come between nine and five, sit at a desk and work. That's it. If you just want a desk and a place to work, $50 a month. I think that's a pretty fair and reasonable price. Yes. And so where can they go to just book that? You can just, you can just walk in and book it or you can... Um, Go to the website, there's a phone number or a form for you to fill out, and someone will reach back out to you to What's call. What's the website? Website is www.in3dc.com, or you can hit us up on social media and just DM us and message us, and so we can have someone reach out to you about it. Uh, we, you know, our goal is to support inclusive innovation. We know that um, people like the idea of having a space to come work and meet other people, kind of network. Um, we we want to create an opportunity where uh the cost of a space is not prohibiting you from being part of that community. So we think 50 bucks a month is a pretty fair price. Wonderful. See you till next time. All right. Thank you very much. Bye.